welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus, I'm your host, and welcome back to our monthly book club chat. I'm joined this month, as always, by the lovely Emma. Hello, beautiful humans, how are we? The insatiable Rab. Hello, everybody. And joining us as a special guest from the Library Laura podcast, it's Laura herself. Hello from across the pond. Hi guys, how are you all doing? March is already nearly completed. What the heck is going on? Can someone slow down time? Nope. It's crazy, isn't it? That was an honest answer from Emma on slowing down time. No, Marcus, I'm afraid we cannot slow down time. (laughs) It's so bizarre. I keep seeing people say that, oh, my memory of this time last year has just popped up. And of course, this time last year, we were entering lockdown for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think at the time I was saying to everyone yeah in three weeks it'll be fine (laughs) nope yeah longest three weeks of my life amen but we also have an extra special episode this month because you guys yes you have picked today's talking points Our, our topic for today was polled by you lovely listeners on twitter and you decided that we shall be talking about ye old fantasy so what we're going to do today, we're going to jump straight into it. Let's do this first, because this is always controversial, I feel. Okay, what do we feel is fantasy, guys? Like, how do we, what does it mean to you, like, fantasy-wise? So let's go to special guests, because you are special. Uh, we shall come to you first. Laura, what does fantasy mean to you? And so how would you say that is fantasy? Yeah, so I think of anything that has magic or things that are not existent in the real world for whatever reason, whether they are, you know, elves and dwarves or uh, whether it's uh, time travel or those kinds of things that that those fantastical elements necessitate that it is called fantasy fiction as opposed to, say, realistic fiction or historical fiction. We'll see how my definition holds up because uh, one book that I'm going to bring later in the conversation, I, some people might argue for it being more sci-fi than fantasy, but I think it's it's both-ish. So uh, we can have that conversation later about, I mean, it's definitely not real. So it is in that sense <laughs> fantasy, but like what kind of fantasy it is, is a good question. So Okay, okay. Starting off controversial, like it, like <laughs> it. Emma, uh, why don't you give us your point of view and see if we can balance that out a little bit? Do you know what, Laura, I'm really glad you said that about is it fantasy, is it sci-fi? Because when I was looking for my books for today, all of the books that I had in my head of being like, oh, yeah, I've read tons of fantasy. When I actually Googled them, they all came up as sci-fi. And I was like, oh, no, this this might be slightly harder than I thought. But yeah, I would say fantasy is. It just screams the word imagination to me. It's just it's synonymous with that. So I think anything that you imagine is obviously not going to be real because if it was real, you'd be able to see it and touch it and feel it and, and all that jazz. So anything that I suppose science cannot prove, I mean, if it's my scientific skills, that could be many, many things. 
but let's go for kind of fantasy being synonymous with imagination. I'd say that's how it rings truest for me. Okay, and Rab, you are our last to just chime in here. Let's uh, put a cherry on top of this. What would you define fantasy as? Well, it's interesting that conversation about how it interrelates with science fiction, because I think soft science fiction and fantasy definitely have a blurred line between them. Um, I think when in science fiction, you've got things that simply happen and cannot be explained rather than are explained through science. It it has that same kind of line as magic. Um, So a bounce of Laura's point, I think magic is inherent to fantasy. Even if it's just that there was magic in the world once and it's sort of gone, I I think normally fantasy has an idea of magic somewhere within it. The other thing that I think is maybe relevant to what fantasy is, is those idea of different species. Fantasy often kind of um, imagines what if humans weren't alone? I guess sci-fi can as well in terms of aliens, but in in fantasy, it's that idea of what if we shared the world with dwarves or dragons or elves? And and I think that holds up a bit of a mirror to ourselves. I, I like that something about magic and something about different species existing alongside us would be my definition of fantasy. Admittedly vague. <laughs> I had the okay. word something in it twice. I, it's, it's absolutely fine. I think uh, fantasy has a bit of a sort of um, collected fuzz where you can basically, it's almost like a bit of a filler where it can really sort of substitute a lot of stuff, um, which obviously leads me on to my second question that we're going to sort of try and tackle in today's talking points, which is... Why then do you feel that fantasy, when we look at the grand scope, I know, Emmy, you were saying you were struggling to look at your, your books you've read and they turn out to be sci-fi, but you look at fantasy as a genre, in, especially in the speculative fiction sort of world, especially in middle grade and young adult, is huge. There are so many fantasy novels. It's redonkulous. So why is fantasy such a powerhouse? Rab, let's reverse the order. Let's come to you first. I feel like I I should have a good answer to this because I wrote a lot of, I always saw myself as a sci-fi author and I wrote a lot of sci-fi short stories. And then my debut novel that's coming out is it's a YA fantasy. Um, It's it's the whole (laughs) storytelling is magic. Somehow I just transferred into fantasy without quite meaning to. Partly it's that old thing of having somewhere to escape to, I think is wonderful. But also magic is a sort of wonderful metaphor, I think, for the change we can make in the world. So I think there's something in that idea of that magic tends to be a force that can change things. And then when you use it and something changes, there's consequences. So I think the allure of the magic stories is actually this idea of making a difference in the world and how that then, that difference then changes us back in return. So how the consequence of that difference affects the change maker. Oh, I see. So quite an interesting point there, taking that approach. I think you've got quite a different uh, mindset. Maybe that's a very writer mindset. But uh, mm. Emma, does yours change maybe more from a reader's perspective? I think so. Yes. Again, I'm just going to return to what I said about my definition about kind of fantasy being synonymous with imagination. And I think particularly in this kind of age bracket that we're looking at, the middle grade, the young adult they're in that kind of point in their lives when the kind of biggest thing that's going on for them is school and it's very mundane it's very repetitive it's very you know you ask any kid at that age they don't really enjoy school 
So anything that's different to school, that's more exciting, that's, you know, adventures and escapism, like you said, Rob, I think that's really appealing to them. And then in some ways, again, it does kind of loop around because you think about, you know, if we take fantasy as magic, then you think about the Harry Potter series and how phenomenally successful that was. But then again, that's based or it starts off at least based in a school. So you've got that element of, of magic, of fantasy, of imagination, of this is so far removed. I mean, I say this, we could all be muggles and have no idea, but <laughs> it's so far removed that there's no way it could be. And then there's this person experiencing all of this and they go to school every day, just like I do. So it's it's finding that really nice blend of the mundane reality and then the exciting fantasy. Rob, you had your hand up there. Is there a point uh, you were uh, trying to make? Yeah, I put my I hand up. I think he has a question. I think we are in school. <laughs> no, I, it, it was a point, but like like a child in school, I felt like um, if I didn't put my hand up, Marcus would then would then pass on, and and I'd miss my opportunity. Um, there's something in what you're saying about the where things that are relatable being put into fantasy, because when you take something that's from real life and then put it into a fantasy setting, you can explore it much more. By removing from context, you can suddenly yeah. talk about something much deeper. And I don't know that the ideas you shared just chimed that in me then. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree. It's again, it's seeing this character, seeing how that then relates to me as a reader and all the different things that they can explore. It is, well, for lack of a better word, magical. Okay, well, two very different point of views there. Laura, do you want to sort of be a bit of a capstone and sort of finish uh, this little discussion point on? Uh, what about you, this whole fantasy as a powerhouse? Yeah, so I mean, I think on the one hand, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that fantasy is such a wide genre, because if we're defining it as anything that is not grounded in the here and now reality of Earth in which we live, the possibilities are essentially endless for what then can be fantasy. Because, I mean, we're much more limited on if you're going to write about like real time and real space, like that's a pretty concrete and limited area. Still plenty of things to write about. And you can even use a lot of imagination in writing fictitious stories about, you know, real people set in real time and place. But uh, when you start being like, you open that door to fantasy of the imagination, like Emma said, and the uh, endless opportunities for creativity. It really is actually endless. And, and I think that's just something that then as as writers and readers is enjoyed by everyone because there's just all of these opportunities to explore things in different ways. Uh, to Rab's point about uh, when we take something out of the real world, it allows us to examine it in a different way. Like I read a book by N.K. Jemisin called How Long Until Black Future Month. Any of them are fantasy stories uh, examining aspects of the the Black experience and um, racism and that kind of thing, but several of them set in worlds that are not here or places that are not now, uh, and allowing her to examine some sides of those issues from an outside of time and space perspective being a, a whole different way to look at things. Uh, and so and there are so many authors that do that. I mean, sometimes they go straight allegory. I, I mean, you can argue like, Chronicles of Narnia uh, has got some pretty strong allegorical elements, or you can tell stories that really... I mean, Terry Pratchett is a fantastic example of someone who just takes the world's wackiest view on things in a sort of fantasy setting, but it's social commentary. I mean, he's got Nightwatch is all about uh, policing uh, and that kind of thing, and so you can really 
you can be like, but what about this? And poke a bunch of holes in it uh, without actually offending anyone because it's fantasy. Okay, yeah. I, I, I completely agree on quite a lot of those points. And I, I feel like what I'm going to do is not throw too much of my, uh, my opinions in there because I think everyone's really said them and I don't want to regurgitate them. So instead, I'm going to um, almost uh, skip a go but move on to, uh, I'm going to take the skip a go option and move on to the, the last one, which is uh, we've mentioned points here about how fantasy can create uh, many worlds, dive into the deepest realms of our imagination and sort of also sort of deliver current day issues and sort of deliver them with maybe a pinch of magic to them. But one of the things that obviously is so prevalent about fantasy is the world building and actually being able to visit other worlds. It's that escapism. So using this as a, a cheeky segue, what fantastical worlds would you, if I could say like you could pick one fantasy realm, world, place to go, just for a little bit of a giggle, where would you like to go? Laura, you're at the top of the initiative order. So where would you like to go? What fantasy world? Okay, well, first of all, it's so incredibly cruel and unusual to make me pick one. Uh, but since you're making me pick one, I, I think one of the one of the many fantasy worlds I've fallen in love with, but I feel like it's less common, and so I'm going to go with it as to hopefully not steal anyone else's answer. Uh, there's a series of books called The Dragon Keeper Chronicles by Donita K. Paul. And in this series, they have magical baby dragons. Uh, they're called minor dragons and they're cute and you can carry them around with you and you can mind speak with them. And there's seven high races and seven low races and adventures to be had. And uh, they, th you can communicate with humans via mind speaking as well. Uh, so between dragons, mind speaking, cool outfits and adventures, I, I think I could just be very, very, very satisfied there. Uh, maybe never come back. Just lost there. Emma, where would you get lost? Not asking you to get lost, by the way. I'm not saying Emma get lost. I'm just saying where I just, Emma, please stop me talking. <laughs> I I'm gonna be quite cliche and I'm gonna hop straight into Narnia just yes. because one of my favorite things about those books is the equality of the kings and queens and the fact that particularly with Susan, you know, just as um, momentarily forgotten his name, King Peter, just as he gets, you know, his sword and his shield and he's expected to go out and fight, that Susan also gets her bow and arrow and she's expected to have the same responsibility. And I fancy that I would be decent with a bow and arrow. So <laughs> um, from that perspective, I would I would like to go and hop into Narnia and, and be righteous and lethal, as it were. Oh, righteous and lethal. Rab, are you going for such a, uh, I kind of want to say almost like, it's got me thinking now, I want to do a D&D &D campaign in Narnia, but I'm getting distracted, I'm getting distracted. Um, <laughs> Rab, uh, do you have a world, before I'm going to lose myself, uh, do you have a world that you'd like to get lost in as well? I think for me it would be Middle Earth. All of Tolkien's world, it's supposed to have been created in song. So it was sung into existence, which I think is a, a wonderful detail. And I've always loved how song kind of interacts through those stories. So music is, is part of how the world exists. But then if you think about some of the places, some of the beautiful places that are described, like the, the chance to visit Rivendell or to go um, to go to sort of Minas Tirth um, and, and see the white tree of Gondor and stuff, he, he describes such wonderful, beautiful places. And um, so, yeah, I think for me, 
despite obviously there's some serious risks in Middle Earth as well, and there's sadness too because the magic is slowly seeping from that world. But I, th- I think it would be a place to see. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. I think. Ooh, that's a. I have an idea myself. I think, I mean, Laura, you've already mentioned it. I think to me, the Discworld, mm. maybe as well, liking the colour of magic or like fantastic. I'd like to be a tourist in Ankh-Morpog uh, and just see it all for all its weird and wonderfulness uh, and experience that. But uh, obviously yeah. we could probably talk a lot longer about fantasy sort of realms we like to visit and some of the conventions. Um, but we've just touched upon a few of them there, which I think is actually really quite lovely. And I'm going to leave it there for our sort of talky point part of the show. So instead, we're going to be back in the second half where we're going to be talking about some books to add to your ever-growing TBR because I'm sure that's what you want, more books to read. But we'll be back with our suggestions and some books we're looking forward to. So stick around. Okay, welcome back. So it's the part of the show where we like to sit down and we like to chat about some awesome books we've read and have a look at some books that we're looking forward to and we haven't cheated and already read them. So <laughs> looking at this week, uh, obviously we're talking about our favourite fantasies we've read and some fantasies we're looking forward to. Laura, as our lovely guest, would you like to start us off with a fantasy you've read that you think's pretty cracking? Absolutely. Uh, so the fantasy that I wanted to bring to the discussion today is called The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. Uh, it is middle grade. I read it a couple years ago when I was reading my way through the recent Newbery Award winners, which is a American Library Association Award for Quality Children's Literature. It won in 2017. So I discovered it along that journey of kind of catching up and reading those award winners, and it is absolutely delightful. So it opens with a um, town where they believe that in order to protect the town and keep their families and children safe, that they must take a baby out to the woods and leave it at the edge of the woods every year for the witch. And so that keeps the the rest of them safe. Um, And so they've been doing this for a long time. Well, then we meet the witch who lives outside of town and she has no idea why people keep leaving these babies for her every year. And she's like, I I mean, if they don't want their kids, like, I'll take the kids, I'll take care of them. So she takes them across the mountains to these other towns that want babies and they call them star children and they're like loved and all of that. Well, one day baby gets placed out, which comes to get her. She's carrying the baby over the mountains and she feeds the babies starlight to sustain them along the journey but she accidentally feeds the baby moonlight and in magics the baby and she's like well i can't just give these people a magic baby they're not going to be able to handle that so she decides to keep the baby and raise it and that kind of thing Uh, and it's just this whole beautiful story of um, family and there's a baby dragon and a big swamp monster and there's the mother back in the town who's going crazy with grief and loss over her baby that she had to give up, but she believes that this baby is out there somewhere. And anyway, it's this whole thing. It's beautiful. It's short. It's sweet. It's magical. And I haven't even touched on some of the characters because I could just sit here and tell you the whole story, but I shouldn't and I won't. So Sounds great. I think all of us, obviously this is a podcast, so you can't see any of us, but all of our faces when we heard that synopsis, we were like, oh, (laughs) it's just... Although I am noticing a slight trend here because we've mentioned baby dragons a few times now. Just slightly picking up a a little hint here. Yeah, I might be a sucker for baby dragons. I actually have um, a a stuffed animal of 
do flip over in the opposite corner of the room now, just just sitting there. He's been banished to the guest room, though, because he has really large green eyes, and <gasps> Marcus is holding up a toothless uh, on his camera right I now. Have my um, own yes, mine's bigger than that, but yeah. Uh, those eyes, though, if you wake up in the middle of the night and those are staring at you, it's unacceptable, so um, it doesn't live in our bedroom anymore. It lives in the <laughs> guest room, because yeah. <laughs> it's all fun and games until Toothless is staring at you at 2am. Okay, moving swiftly along. Emma, what book are you bringing to today's table? Well, as far as I'm aware, my book has no dragons. Little change up there. But I am going to throw it right back to a fantasy novel from 2003, which is originally German, but is translated as Inkheart, which was Cornelia Funk's um, first novel in the, um, excuse me, Inkheart trilogy. And the reason that I picked this book is because it's for me it's just whenever I think of it it's just my childhood so this this novel was published when I was seven and it's a young adult fantasy and I remember every Monday my sister and I didn't have any um kind of after school activities so we'd sit down we'd have dinner and my mum would read us a chapter every week and I remember thinking oh this is a book for teenagers I'm seven years old but I'm reading it anyway look at me I'm so cool and this was when I realized that I was destined to be a nerd so it was a great, great moment for me. But anyway, the book is brilliant. The general storyline is that it follows the story of this girl whose father has the magical ability that when he reads something from a book, what he reads can come out of the book into the quote unquote real world. But the catch is, is that when something comes out, something must go in. So this is how this little girl loses her mother and... A few kind of unforeseen events, the father starts reading again and some characters come out and some characters go in. And essentially it's their quest to find her mother in this book. And as it turns out that she also has this magical power to read things and bring characters in and out of places. And it's just one of those novels that has such, is so rich in kind of the detail because you're literally hopping in and out of worlds and it was eventually made into a film, which I think they did a phenomenal job of, um, particularly for the uh, audience they were targeting. And I would very much recommend this. It is quite lengthy. It's over 500 pages, but it's definitely one to get your teeth into. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I must admit, I, I, probably not as young. I've probably read it at 14 or 15. But uh, yeah, I do appreciate that. And love how you're like destined to be a nerd saying this while, is that a wicked hoodie I see you wearing there? No. <laughs> you just talked, Laura, you just talked about witches. Yes. There you go. Um, lovely. We got our fantastical connection there. Um, I completely agree, Emma. I think it's a fantastic pick. Rab, you are going to lead us off. So what is your addition to the TBL pile this week? I, I've picked um, uh, pro quite possibly my favourite book for children ever, um, a book that I think is absolutely wonderful. It, it's called Wizard of Earthsea, um, and it's by an author called Ursula the Gwyn. Um, it's oh. a... It's around a, that was a good reaction. Um, it's, it's around a character called Jed, who is a young boy. He lives on a farming island, which is invaded by um, barbarians who, who, when they attack, a set of situations ends up with Jed being sort of taken under the wing of a wizard called Ogion. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a made-up word. So if someone wants to say it's pronounced wrong, none of it's real. Um, but Ogion takes Jed to go to to learn magic, essentially, and he goes to the equivalent of a wizard school. And there he, he strikes up a rivalry 
uh, with another boy. And that this leads to him kind of casting a spell that releases, uh, to show off, that releases a darkness out into the world. And the story is about how he runs away and then from and then eventually turns to face that darkness. Uh, and there's, there's so much in this book that's wonderful. I mean, the, the core concept of it is that names are magic. And if you know someone's true name, you have a power of them. So Jed goes under the name Sparrowhawk to hide his true name. And you only reveal your true name to people you trust, uh, which is already a beautiful concept. Um, and it has some wonderful quotes. Uh, one I, I noted down was to light a candle is to cast a shadow. So to take an action is to to have the effect you intend, but other effects as well. Um, and I've written down my favourite quote from the whole series, which I'll, I'll share with you guys. So this is uh, said to Jed by another character about they're travelling across the sea with a society of people who live on the sea. And this character is quite scared by the idea that this whole society could just vanish at any point. Um, and Jed says to him this quote about kind of living amongst chaos, and I think it's wonderful. This is... And thou art. There is no safety. There is no end. The word must be heard in silence. There must be darkness to see the stars. The dance is always danced above the hollow place, above the terrible abyss. It's such a wonderful quote, and this idea of living above darkness and that you're always living sort of amongst amongst chaos and that's how life works if you can if you can get concepts like that into books intended for children um, and it, I say intended for children because it's a wonderful book for adults as well um, but if you can get kids engaging with those concepts and maybe reading those books with family members and having conversations about it I think that's a fantastic thing so yeah um, Wizard of Earth is my recommendation for for this time around oh absolute great pick I think there Rab I think the FC series is kind of a sort of fantasy sort of like uh, I want to almost just say it's like a foundation sort of one if you're really wanting to like get to grips into to fantasy obviously people they go to stuff like Lord of the Rings and whatnot and you have the sort of tolkien stuff but bridging out I think we wouldn't have had stuff like uh, Harry Potter or stuff like that if it wasn't for Ursula Le Guin and stuff like that it's deceptively simple as well similarly to listen to like music by Ian Audi so sort of beautiful simple piano music the language like Lord of the Rings or something is this big daunting book, whereas with diversity is quite easy reading. Obviously, there could be some complex words, but when when you read through it, it, it kind of gently takes you through the story, introduces you to stuff a bit at a time. Yeah, so I think there's beauty in that simplicity as well. Yep, absolutely. And I think they are simply three amazing choices there to add to your TBR. This week, I get to have a little bit of a get out of jail free card because we already have three lovely suggestions. So uh, that's going to keep us to our nice time limit. So I get to miss a go and go back round as we look at the books we are looking forward to reading. So Ram, we go back in the reverse order. So it's your turn again, sir. What is the book you are looking forward to reading? I found a different way of cheating, but I think it's a way of cheating you might be okay with. So if you oh, don't like no. my cheating, you can get rid of my cheating. This is um, the second time now, Rob. I like I like to come in with a concept. And my concept this time of what I'm looking forward to is revisiting fantasy worlds, but with new characters. So there's two young adult fantasy series that I think are fantastic. Um, firstly, there's the Grishaverse. On the day that I met Marcus, in fact, it was I was at a young adult convention and I picked up a book called Six of Crows. 
Um, oh. And it's set in this fantasy world where essentially it, it follows kind of an Ocean Eleven type jailbreak with these very sort of strong characters who all have kind of romantic relationships between them. Um, and it, it's, it's a wonderful novel, but it was set in a pre-existing world and I'd never read the original sort of Shadow and Bone Grisha trilogy, which is set in a, a different part of the country. So it's, uh, it's set in a place that's called Ravka, which is based on 19th century Russia, which is only mentioned in the books I've read. So I get to visit this new place in a, in a world that I've heard about before. Uh, which which is fantastic to me. And, and then the other one's a similar example. So that one was by Lee Bardugo. Um, and then um, there's a book called The Last Namasara by Kristen Kirishelli, um, which is, again, a dragon's book. Um, and it's this idea that telling stories and myths is what brings the dragons to you. It's how it kind of summons the dragons, which I think is wonderful. But I know its sequel, The Caged Queen, is set around a different character who features only really as a side character in the first book. So again, this kind of wonderful world where I've already been introduced to the magic, but new characters. So what I'm looking forward to is revisiting worlds I've been to before, but meeting new people within them. That is pretty cool. I will allow that. That's not cheap so much because that is pretty cool. And uh, for anyone who's listening and you are sort of interested, obviously, uh, Emma, you've mentioned how Inkheart was being made into a movie, into adaptions. Uh, Shadow and Bone is about to get a Netflix adaptation that's coming out in April. We're totally looking forward to that. I was just about to mention that because it does look insane, to be fair. Does it look good? I've not seen a single trailer. And, and I was, you know, I was scared of watching it in case it looked bad. I don't think it Will again, I don't want to be the, the only, like I said the only thing I have that's sort of slightly trepidous about the whole thing is the fact that they are taking the Six of Crows and the Shadow and Bones and sort of like interweaving Meshing them. It. So it's sort of like mm. all five books are kind of being run as a singular series because effectively the guys in Six of Crows were doing their stuff while the original trilogy is going on, so it kind of makes sense, but we'll see, we'll see. We're not a, uh, a Netflix podcast. We are a, a book podcast, but it's a great, <laughs> it's a, a great sort of, uh, sort of corresponding point there. But so we're not sticking around too long talking about Six, Six of Crows and uh, Shadow and Bone. Emma, I believe you're going to grace us with something else we should be reading. So what have you got for us today? I actually have my book that's on my TBR. Um, so ironically, it's probably on my TBR for a while now. But it is The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. And I'm sure this is not on many people's TBRs because I have heard many, many good things about it. And there were two quotes um, on the back of the book and in my research that I found that really drew me to it. The first one was to win a place at court, she must defy him and face the consequences. And I think sometimes in kind of the middle grade, the young adult, genres sometimes we don't necessarily see the consequences because sometimes the defiance is kind of what saves the day there's no real fallout from that so I thought that was a really nice touch that added a bit of depth to this um, kind of style of reading and the other quote was I hate him so much that sometimes when I look at him I can hardly breathe and I think this one is interesting because last month in February, we obviously talked about our romance novels and where that kind of stems from. And I think that that is a quote that is obviously trying to convey this hatred towards him. But also if you take out the first bit and just say, when, you, when I look at him, I can hardly breathe. There's obviously a very different emotion there. And for me, that kind of set the seeds of 
okay, this girl obviously has a problem with this guy, but is it in a purely hatred kind of way or is it in a fantastical kind of way in that he is so brilliant or so terrible in in whichever way, I don't know. But it's having this kind of huge effect on her. And then obviously the fact that she wants to defy him just appeals to me because I'm like, yes, feminism, women can do it. She's going to do something awesome. Let's see what happens. So I'm I'm very excited about this one. Ah, double the trouble there then. That's what's appealing it to you. Absolutely. And there you go. Uh, again, Holly Black is again, I think, very much a staple, kind of like Lee Bardugo, especially, especially of a YA fantasy at the moment. She is a powerhouse. Just been talking about fantasy powerhouses, and I'm pretty sure if you talk to any YA sort of aficionado and say, name me a fantasy book, either Lee Bardugo or Holly Black's going to get named. So that's two really good, or oh, technically three because of Rabs, really good picks. Laura, can you match or exceed what they brought to the table? Let's have a look. Oh, probably not, but I'm going to give it a college try. Um, if what I lack in quality, I'm going to make up for in quantity. So I, I just I want to briefly mention the fact that I just started reading The Name of the Wind by Patrick Patrick Rothfuss, which I've never read, and everyone has been telling me I ought to read it. Uh, and if you're looking for like epic fantasies that are very lengthy, uh, this one's going to qualify. I, I was looking, and I'm like 120 pages into the first book, and I was thinking I could have read a whole middle grade book by now, but yet I am only 13% of the way through this book, or whatever. Like, m maybe it's more than that now. Don't edit my maths here. Um, <laughs> the whole book is, the first book is about 700 pages. The yeah. second book is 1,000, and the third book is 900. So there's a lot of pages, and I won't be getting through this quickly. But um, it's been good so far. I don't have a, a lot to say, because I feel like I've only just, like, scratched the barest surface of what's going on here. But if you're looking for, like, epic world building kind of situations i think we're headed that direction i've also been told i need to read the blue sword and by robin mckinley and i'm like i listened to the first couple chapters on audiobook uh, so i'm technically reading that one already so neither of these count as on my tbr because i'm already reading them the books that are on my tbr like emma they i own them uh, i just need to actually read them are the lunar chronicles by marissa mayer uh, and this is the controversial is this sci-fi or is this fantasy situation because it's a fairy tale retelling, which is fantasy. In but space. In space. Uh, Cinder, the first book is Cinder and she is a cyborg. Uh, and she has little like automatons instead of mice and stuff like that but she also has like the the cruel stepmother and stepsisters and you know all of the certain tokens of the cinderella story but in this whole other universe in this series goes on and tells little red riding hood and rapunzel and all of these other ones that all fairy tale retellings but with a sci-fi twist so i think they count as fantasy maybe yeah, I think there's some genre blending in there, but I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to allow this to slide for today. What do you think? Yeah? I'm glad there's someone else who plays on the edge of the rules like I do. <laughs> oh, God, I've got another rule breaker in the group. <laughs> Uh-oh, now he'll never let me come back. Darn. I would definitely agree. That is 100% acceptable as a fantasy. Yes. And it is a really good series. I really do like the Lunar Chronicles. And it's you're right, there are some really classical sort of fantasy, folk, fairy tale tropes within that. Really beautifully redesigned as well. 
So, and obviously you've you're got two quite quintessentially fantasy backups there as well. So I feel like yes. you give us a good one-two jab there. So we'll allow that sort of sucker punch uh, to make also, it way through. If you, if you ever try to say, oh no, that's not fantasy, it's sci-fi then you're trying to be the person that draws the line between fantasy and sci-fi. And if you put yourself in that position, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous position, open to argument. <laughs> you're putting yourself right out like in the battle lines there. Fair enough. Yeah, let's not do that. We're here to love books because we are nerdy for them. And that's all we care about. So all good book suggestions. And that's all we care about. Lots of stuff there to pad your TBRs filled to the brim. But we are full to the brim as far as time goes, because we've reached the end of today's show. Wowza, God, this time just goes so quick. But I'm so glad that I got to share it with you guys. So before we let you guys go, uh, I'm going to ask Laura, as you are a special guest, you have another amazing podcast, the Library Laura podcast. Do you want to just quickly tell our lovely listeners how they can go and listen to that show as well? Absolutely. Uh, well, you can find it on your podcast player as the Library Laura podcast. Um, and I also hang out on social media. I am primarily on Instagram. Uh, you can find me personally at library.laura or follow the show itself at Library Laura podcast. And then uh, I do hang out on Twitter and Facebook somewhat as well on Twitter as Library Laura pod because otherwise there's too many letters and then uh on facebook as uh, facebook.com slash library laura podcast fantastic and obviously you guys emma ramp emma let's go to you first emma let us get to know you a bit better how can our lovely listeners get to know you a little bit better where can they find you well, I am actually on a bit of an Instagram hiatus as I decided to delete that for Lent to give me some more time to invest in reading. So you can find me on Twitter at EmmaKeen10 if you have any literary scratches that need to be scratched or if you just want to nerd out with the cool kids. And Rab, obviously we need to tell people how they can get in touch with you and we are going to definitely plug your upcoming novel so uh, let's do that right now. It's definitely a, a good time to talk about the Landfill Mountains. It, it's out on pre-order at the moment. It is a young adult fantasy book. It's set in a world similar to our own, where they're facing the issues of climate change. And the, the fantasy element is that storytelling is a form of magic. So you've got people surviving by scavenging from giant mountains of landfill in a, a dystopian sort of fallen apart world. But when characters from Starry start turning up in real life, the main character, Joe, figures out that that is a power that he can maybe use to help his people. So if you're interested in both the environment and storytelling, I'd love for anyone who listens to the podcast to check it out and maybe make a pre-order. Anyone who does pre-order off this fantasy episode... Um, I will send a free short story along too, because I, I would love someone to listen to us talk about fantasy and then pre-order my fantasy book. It'd make me very happy. It's also on discount on pre-order to £7. I think 42 it could be 62 Either way, it's £7 something, which I think is, is, is a good price for it. Um, so if anyone does pre-order, you'd have to let me know that you've done it. But if you do let me know via at Rabtails on Twitter um, or at Rabtails on Instagram, then I will send you a free short story along. Absolutely awesome. And so what we will do is we will put a link to Omway Press and that pre-order page in the show notes. Just make it super simple for you. It's that easy. Just click, click it, click it now. Um, 
for the rest of us, you can find us, the Big Kids Book Club, on Twitter at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word. There you will find all sorts of goodness from our release schedule, our programming, competitions with authors giving away free signed copies of books. We have our midweek review, which Laura, you've recently just done a guest review for us. So that is up there for you guys to have a listen to right now. And uh, you can always keep in touch with us and just get chatting to us. Um, but that's all we've got time for this week. So I'm going to just say, Rab, thank you big time for coming on to the show today. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me. Emma, fantastic to have you with us as always. Indeed, it's one of my favorite things to do. And super special guest, Laura, thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely, my pleasure. And just so you guys know, Marcus is going to be that guest on our next episode, episode number 49 of the Library Laura podcast, and that airs March 24th. <laughs> there you go. If you're not sick of my voice, you can hear it there now. But that's all I have to say for today's episode. So until next time, all I have to say is for you to take care, for you to stay safe, but most importantly of all, to keep on reading.